right. Hey, everybody, who's glad to be at church today? Anybody? Come on, let's just give Jesus the best praise we can. He's worthy of the praise. Amen. Well, I'm so glad to see you today, and uh, I, I am glad to be back in the house of God at City Hope Church. I've been gone for three weeks, and I am so thankful to be back. In, and uh, Annalise was just reminding me uh, back, backstage there that today, um, to, to, uh, this week, Four years ago, we moved to Wichita Falls to, to, to start working on starting this church. So four years ago this week, we, we, we've been here. And I just want to say, look what God has done. And I just don't ever want us to forget what God has done. Can we just thank God for that today? What, look what he's done. And let's make sure we give him the praise for that. Amen. And of course, to everybody who's online with us today, we're so honored and so thankful that you're, you're with us wherever you're watching from. I, I, we've got a campus up in, uh, up in Oklahoma, got a campus up in uh, Colorado, probably down at Galveston, those who are vacationing. Those are our campuses for the weekend because they're streaming it live, all right? So we welcome you. Come on, let's welcome everybody on the other side of those cameras as well. Um, don't really have campuses in those places, just kind of a joke there. So I'm just making sure you all know that. Oh, we got a campus out there? All right, yeah. So uh, let me give you a couple things that I want you to know about before I get into the message. Just save the dates, really. And the first thing is Summer Blast is coming up June 27th through the 29th. And this is our version of Vacation Bible School, all right? So parents, uh, put this on your calendar. Make sure your kids are registered. Go to that link there to register them and make sure they're here for that. It's going to be an incredible time. But also, Serve Day, July 16th, we're, we're talking about this now because Serve Day is such an important day for us. This is, this is uh, when we're going to paint the town red with Serve shirts out there making a difference, so make sure you have that on your calendar as well. And I do have a message that I feel like the Lord's put on my heart for today. We're, we're actually uh, starting a brand new series today called Running with the Giants. And I'm going to tell you a little bit more about that. I'm going to explain it to you in just a moment. But uh, before we get there, like I, I've got so much in my heart to give you today, so much because I haven't preached here in three weeks, so there's a lot bottled up. There's a lot that needs to come out, and I need you to, I need you to have your listening ears on because I'm going to talk really fast, I need you to listen fast, okay, uh, because I'm just going to skip all the fluff. I just got to get right into it, okay? All right, if you're ready, say, oh, got it. I got it. Okay. All right. Here we go. Here's our theme verse for the series. We're going to do this series, it's going to be all summer long, Running with the Giants. And I'm going to tell you about it in just a moment. But it says, therefore, now, now every time you see the word therefore in the Bible, you need to know what it's therefore, okay? All right, every time you see the word therefore in the Bible, you need to know why is it there. And so it says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, so the reason he's talking about great cloud of witnesses is in chapter 11 of Hebrews. And he's talking about these, these giants of the faith that have gone on before us. They're now in heaven, okay? Think about heaven as the grandstands of life. These giants have, have, of the faith have gone on before us. And so therefore, since we're surrounded by them, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race. How many of you know there's a race that we're supposed to run in this life? And the giants of the faith have already run this race. And so they have some things that they want to teach us. There's some things that we can learn from the giants of the faith. Are you with me? There's some things that they can encourage us in. And so we've got to run this race with perseverance, the race that is marked out for us. Okay? 
Now, here's, here's the thing uh, 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 as we think about giants of the faith, okay? I, w- I want you to picture for a moment that we're in a stadium, okay? And we're down on the field, we're on the track, and the stadium, the crowd, is the giants of the faith. It's the people who've gone on before us. Now, when you're in a stadium, you can't hear just one person yelling and screaming, can you? Like, no, if you're on the field, all you hear is the collective voice of the crowd. And so the idea of this series, it kind of comes from a book that uh, Dr. John Maxwell wrote years ago called Running with the Giants. And his idea, his thought was, what if the giants of the faith that are in the stadium, the grandstands, what if they could come down out of the stadium, out of the stands, and they could come to the, 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 the track in the field, and they could take a lap of life with us? What's the one thing that those giants of the faith would want us to know? Are you following me? Are, are, you, are, you, are you, you got it? Okay. And so what's the one thing they would tell us? What's the one thing that they would say, you've got to know this? And so today, we're going to look at a giant of the faith, Peter. And, uh, and we're going we're gonna to discover what Peter would tell us if he came down to the stands today. Now, before I tell you what Peter would tell us, I, I want to point out the fact that today is the day of Pentecost. All right? Now, I know that's a scary word for some of you, right? Because if, if you grew up in a conservative church background, you're like, oh, Pentecost. I know, I know about them. I know about the Pentecostals, right? Pentecost is not a scary word. Some of you are scared of the word Pentecost. Pentecost, do you want to you know what it means? 50. That's what it means. Literally. 50. That's what it means. And there's so many people that are scared of Pentecost because because they have all these misconceptions. The word Pentecost means 50. It happened 50 days after the crucifixion of Jesus. Um, it coincides with the, the, the Jewish feast of uh, a harvest, I believe it is. And so here, here is uh, the day of Pentecost. That's today. And Peter plays an important role in the day of Pentecost. I thought I would show you some of the things that he, like, like just talk a little bit about the day of Pentecost before I get into the message part, right? And so, um, so let me give you the background of it, okay? So Jesus was crucified and then buried in a borrowed tomb, right? He rose again on the third day, correct? All right, so, so after he rose again, after he resurrected, he spent 40 days walking the earth, teaching and, and proving himself to the people closest to him. All right, so I don't know, the Bible says that he would give them convincing proofs, and I don't know what other proof you would need besides seeing a dead man alive. Come on, somebody, you know what I'm saying? Like, why do y'all need any other proof that it's Jesus? But he was giving them convincing proofs for 40 days. The Bible says that he even appeared to a group of 500 people at one time. Okay, so here's, here's Jesus, he's teaching people for 40 days, he's appearing to them for 40 days, and on the 40th day... He ascended to heaven from, from the Mount of Olives, which, by the way, is where he's going to come back. When Jesus comes back the second time, he will come to the Mount of Olives. So, so Jesus is ascending to heaven from the Mount of Olives, and he tells his disciples, I want you to go to the city, go to Jerusalem, and I want you to wait in the city until you receive power from on high. And so that's exactly what the disciples did. They walked a half mile from the Mount of Olives to the city of Jerusalem, to an upper room, and they waited there and they prayed there until 
They received power from on high. And on the day of Pentecost, the baptism of the Holy Spirit was poured out in a fresh and powerful way. Amen? And it's the day, the day of Pentecost is when Peter steps into his own. It's when he steps into the ministry that God had always intended him to have. And Peter preaches a message that day that sees 3,000 people give their lives to Jesus Christ. Okay? And so that happened today, 2,000, and like 22 years ago. Pretty incredible. Pretty incredible. So, so we're going to study a little bit of, about that day of Pentecost message first. Because in that message, we see, in the message and in the after effects of the message, we see five steps that, that Peter wants us to take, that that, that that passage tells us we need to take. And I'm here to tell you today that we still need to take these five steps in our relationship with God, okay? All right, if, if you're with me, say, I'm with you. Okay, all right. Y'all are looking at me like you don't know who I am, and I just, I'm, I, I'm your pastor. Convincing proof, I am not dead, I am alive, I am here. Okay, all right. So here we go. In Peter's message, they ask him the question, what should we do? In other words, what they're asking is, what's God's plan for my life? What does God want for me to do? He preaches his heart out on the day of Pentecost. In fact, the Bible says that he stood up and he said, brothers, uh, people in Jerusalem, let me explain to you what's going on. These men are not drunk as you suppose, but it is five o'clock somewhere. No, he didn't say that part. He didn't, that was not in the Bible. He didn't say that. Uh, but he said, they're not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. All right. And then, and then as he preaches, the, the people say, what should we do? And so he gives uh, uh, several steps here that I want us to, to follow today as well. And the first step he gives is he says, you've got to repent of your sins and turn to God. This is the message of Pentecost right? That Jesus Christ is the one and only son of our heavenly father. And in order for you to spend eternity in heaven, come on, you've got to repent of your sins and turn to God. And some of you here today, you haven't done this yet. And I want to give you an opportunity to do this at the end of the service today. Maybe you're here and you're searching. Maybe, maybe you're far from God. You've been doing things your own way. It's time for you to repent and turn to God. Amen. Amen. But then there's some of you you need to do the second thing, Peter says. He says, some of y'all need to be baptized. Some of y'all need to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Some of you, you've given your life to Christ. You're following Jesus. Uh, you're, maybe, maybe you're one of the 239 people who've, give, who've given your life to Jesus this year at City Hope. All right, that's incredible. But you still haven't followed a command. Let me say it this way. Command from Jesus Christ. That Jesus himself says, be baptized, be water baptized. And I, I want to just tell you today that we do everything we can to make it easy for you. I mean, we've got shorts, shirts, underwear, hair dryers. We've got everything that you need so that, so that you can be baptized today. We've got towels. We've got everything covered for you. And we're, what we're trying to do is we're trying to take away all the excuses. And I think that's pretty interesting that on this day, when nobody was prepared to receive Jesus Christ as their Savior, nobody was prepared to get baptized, on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 of them got baptized. Come on, that's pretty incredible. And you may be here and you're not prepared and you're not ready. Let me just tell you today, go ahead and take that step. On the, let, let, let the day you got baptized be the day of Pentecost, 2022. When, and, and, and if you don't know what baptism is, it's simply, it's simply this. Uh, when, when you go in the water, you go in dirty. When you come out of the water, you come out clean. 
Can I just, that's as simple as it gets. That you are a new creation, the old has gone and the new has come. You are, you, you are washed clean in the name of Jesus. And so that's, it's a public declaration of your faith. All right, so be baptized. The third thing he says is some of y'all need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, we, we all receive the Holy Spirit when, when we are born again. But, but there is a whole other baptism in the Holy Spirit that takes us to a new level in our faith. Come on. There's a, a, the, the Holy Spirit's not something that you should be afraid of. And some of you grew up in church backgrounds where you're like, I know about the Holy Spirit now. <laughs> I, know about, I know about them, the Holy Rollers. I know about, no, let me just tell you, the Holy Spirit's not weird. People are weird. Come on. Y'all know it's true. Bunch of weirdos out there that make the Holy Spirit look weird. And he's not weird. He's loving, he's kind, he's gentle, he's a teacher, he's a comforter, he's a counselor. He will lead you and guide you and direct you and he wants to be part of your life. The Holy Spirit comes to give you power to do what God's called you to do. And so we all need the Holy Spirit in our lives. So Peter says, repent and turn to God, be baptized, receive the Holy Spirit, and then the Bible says that he's, he keeps on preaching for a very long time, is what the, the, the word says. And then a, after he's preached his heart out that day, watch what happens. It says that those who believed what Peter said and were baptized, they were added to the church that day. It was about 3,000 people who gave their lives to Christ and were water baptized that day. But notice, they were added to the church. They were baptized. And... And, and all of the believers met together in one place, in, in a synagogue or temple courts, or for us, in, in our context, it's church. It's this building. And they shared everything. And, and they sold their property, and they sold their possessions, and they shared the money with those in need. And though the Bible doesn't say it this way, here's what I think it's trying to say to us today, is some of y'all need to go to the growth track. That's what it's saying to us. Some of y'all just, you've been waiting too long. It is time for you to go to the growth track. How do you know it's talking about that? Well, they didn't have growth track then, but it says they were added to the church. It's, it, what, what it's referring to is they went all in in their relationship with Jesus. They immersed themselves entirely into the life of the local church. And they said, I will discover my gifts. I will help finance it. I will be a blessing. I will use my gifts to do what God's called me to do. And that's what it means to, to be part of a local church. So some of you need to go to the growth track today. Step one is happening right after this service. You can hear all the details of who we are. But you can also decide whether this is, should be your church or not. And even if this isn't your church, you need to, go, you need to find a church somewhere that you can be part of, right? So, so part of Peter's message on Pentecost says you, you need to get in a church somewhere. But then the, the fifth thing that it shows us is this, that every day after this message, the day of Pentecost, they continued to meet together in the temple courts and they broke bread in homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. And the Bible says the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. What does this mean? It means it's time for some of y'all to get in a small group. <laughs> uh, Pastor Ben, you're stretching it. No, 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 no. It says that they met in the temple courts, in church, and from house to house. 
Like they got in a small group. They did life together. They ate out together. They, they, they fellowshiped with one another. And that's what a small group is. A small group is when you get around other people like yourself and you begin to take off the mask and you get free from some things that have been holding you back. Amen? And so guess what? We're launching small groups today. In, in your worship guides, there's an insert that you can find out more information about the small groups, but I'm just, I'm giving you this Pentecost message, and some of you are like, yeah, you, 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 you're stretching it, Pastor Ben. Now, I'm just telling you, this is, it, it's our context today, exactly what happened then, all right? Get in a group. Let's start, let's start to get free, amen? All right, all right. Here we go. Now, um, I'm, I'm going I'm to switch gears, and let's talk about what Peter would tell us if he came down out of the grandstands, okay? We, we just saw Peter preach this incredible message on the day of Pentecost. And for some of us, if, if we just saw this moment, the day of Pentecost, we would think Peter is an incredibly anointed, gifted man of God who, who obviously has never messed up in his life. That's what we would think. We would think Peter has his act together, that Peter doesn't have any struggles. But if Peter were here, if he came out of the stands to take a lap with us, Here's what I think Peter would tell us. He would say, when you feel like failure is final, you need to know that God still has a plan for you. Come on, if you're taking notes, write that down. He would want you to know that. See, because too many of us, we believe that our failure is final. We believe that our failure defines us. We believe that our failure, uh, it, 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 it doesn't allow us to do what God's called us to do, but I'm telling you today, even when you feel that way, God still has a plan for your life. And so I want to go back to the very first moment that Peter and Jesus met. It was on the shore of Galilee, and, P and Jesus walks up to Peter and, and his brother, and he says this. The first words Jesus ever said to Peter were, come, follow me. And if you know Peter, Peter's an impulsive guy. Peter, Peter is enthusiastic, he's bold, he's ambitious, he, think, he, he acts before he thinks, he wears his feelings on his sleeves. He does things that, that most of us wouldn't do, and he quit his job and he followed Jesus in that moment. And if you know much about Peter's life, you know that he didn't have his act together. You know that he failed Jesus over and over and over again, but I think one of the best lessons we could learn from Peter is that even on your worst day, God still has a plan for your life. I want you to hear that today, church. Even on your worst day, God still has a plan for your life. And so I want to show you that today. Three thoughts that I, I, I studied. I've studied probably 25 hours just on this one message. And there's so much that i got to say to you. It's, it's going to come out fast. So here we go. God still has a plan for you even when you doubt. He still has a plan, even in your doubt. See, doubt is a lack of faith. It's just not, it's just you don't believe. And it's easy to believe when things are going good, right? It's easy to believe when you can see how things are working out. It's easy to believe when you can see the benefit of, of what's going on in your life and you can see that God has a plan for your life. But then again, that's not faith. Is it? No, no, faith comes in when you can't see what God's up to. Faith comes in when the storms of life come in. 
Faith comes in when you feel like quitting, when you feel like giving up, when you feel like throwing in the towel. Come on, somebody. That's when faith matters. And, 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 and it's a different story when the storms of life come and the waves are crashing down on you. And that's where Peter found himself. He found himself in a season of doubt, in a moment of doubt. And so, uh, so two of the Sundays that I was gone, I was traveling to and, and in Israel and so I've, I've been on the Sea of Galilee within the last month, and I've been able to see with my own eyes a lot of what the Scripture's talking about today. And, and so um, we pick up this story about Peter and his doubt in, in, in the Gospel of Mark. Jesus and the disciples had just left Bethsaida. They had fed 5,000 people in a miraculous moment, all right? Jesus tells the disciples, get in the boat, and go from Bethsaida over to Capernaum, which is not very far. Literally, it's kind of like they're cutting off the corner of the Sea of Galilee. It should have been an easy trip. But in, while, they're, while they're sailing, while they're rowing to, to the other side, to Capernaum, the Bible says that a windstorm came. Now, just three days before I was on the Sea of Galilee, a windstorm had come and, and completely demolished some of the buildings and things on, right there on the sea right there on the Sea of Galilee. And I, the, the guy showed us video. The waves were massive, okay? And so I imagine that this is kind of the kind of storm that the disciples find themselves in. They've, they're being pushed out into the middle of the ocean. They're rowing or into the sea. They're trying to get to the Capernaum. And Jesus sees them in, in, in his prayer time. He sees them through the Spirit. And, and the Bible says he begins to walk to them on the water. They, at first, they think he's a ghost, and then Peter, the impulsive one, says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. <laughs> right? I'm like, only the impulsive guy would do that. And so Jesus meets him at his impulse. He says, okay, come on. Let's do this. And Peter got out of the boat, and he walked on the water, and he came toward Jesus. But then he saw the wind. When Peter saw the wind, he was afraid, and he began to sink, and he cried out, Lord, save me. What happened? Peter began to doubt. Peter saw the, the storm of life coming in, and he began to doubt. I can't believe this is happening. And he sees the wind and the waves crashing in on him. He takes his eyes off of Jesus and begins to sink. And we often pick on Peter for, for taking his eyes off Jesus. But I want to point out, he was walking on water. You know what I'm saying? Like, that doesn't happen very often. He's walking on water, and we're over here like, Peter, such a screw-up, doubting Jesus. I mean, come on. He's walking on water, guys, right? And let me say it this way. Let's not forget he was the only one who got out of the boat, okay? I'm going to say another thing, not in your notes, but if, if you refuse to get out of the boat, if you refuse to step out in faith, you will become critical of the people who do. So you just, you just just know that. You'll become critical of, of those who do. And so here's the thing. You will probably never walk on water in this life, but you will most certainly walk through storms. And those storms will test your faith. They will try your faith. And I'm here to tell you today, I, I just want to be the messenger, God's mouthpiece to tell you that even when you doubt, even when you're in a season of, of fear and failure of doubting God, he still has a plan for your life. All right? He still does. Number two, he still has a plan even when I feel like a disappointment. Come on, have you ever been there before? I, I have. 
Felt like a disappointment. Felt like I could never get it right. Felt like a, I was always messing things up. And, and I'm leaving a lot of Peter's life out. Like there's so many things we could talk about in Peter's life. But let's go to the Garden of Gethsemane. This is Jesus' final moments. And Jesus is praying. He's talking to his father about the, the cross. He's, he's about to go to the cross. They're in the garden. Peter, James, and John are, are, are there praying with Jesus. And Jesus says this. He, he says, my father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from you, from me, but not as I will, as you will. And after he's prayed, he walks to find the disciples. And here's what he finds. Then he returned to his disciples and he found them asleep. I want you to think about this for a moment. This, he's talking about Peter. He finds them asleep and he says, couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? But notice who he asked. He didn't ask anybody else. He asked Peter. Peter, you, you couldn't stay awake for an hour? Like, do you know what's about to happen, Peter? And I can imagine in that moment, Peter feels the disappointment. Like, man, I'm, I'm letting you down. I'm, 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 letting, I'm letting Jesus down. And if that wasn't enough, Jesus goes away a second time to pray. But when he came back, he found them sleeping again because their eyes were heavy. The Bible says that he went away one more time, and when he came back, the disciples were still asleep. And I can imagine in this moment, Peter is thinking, man, what is wrong with me? Why can't I do what Jesus asked me to do? Why can't I be the man of God he's called me to be? Why can't I live the purpose that he's given me to live? Have you ever felt that way before? And so I want to tell you today that even when you feel disappointed, even when you feel like you, you can never get it right, God still has a plan for you. Amen? And then here's the third thing. God still has a plan even when I deny him. Now, I know that you may be thinking, well, I'll never, I'll never deny him like Peter denied him. I'll never turn my back on Jesus. A couple, couple thoughts here is that I think there's probably a time coming in our lifetime when you'll be, you'll, you'll be faced with that whether you're going to live for Jesus or die for Jesus. I, th I think there's, there's an opportunity for that to happen in our lifetime. And you, you, need, you need a faith that says, I, I, I won't disown you. I won't deny you. So maybe you've never denied Jesus like that, but maybe you've denied things that he's asked you to do. Maybe you've denied him in your prayer time. Maybe you've denied him in your, the way that you serve. Maybe you've denied him in, in, the, in the way that you treat other people, can, can, am I preaching that? Is, is it stepping on any toes right there? So maybe you haven't blatantly turned your back on him, but maybe you've denied him in other ways. And so Peter, we, we, we see this scripture in Peter where he has this moment of confidence. Remember, he's impulsive. He's ambitious. He's bold. And, and Jesus... At the upper room, he has just finished talking to his disciples. Um, in the upper room, he's taught them. He's washed their feet. They've had the, the, the Passover meal together. And Jesus says, hey, all of y'all, or is the way we would say in Texas, all y'all, all y'all are going to abandon me. You're all going to desert me. And watch what Peter says. Peter says, nuh-uh. 
Even if all fall away, I'm not going to, Jesus. I'm going to be by your side. And Jesus says, Peter, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. And Peter, with all of his boldness, says, even if I have to die with you, Jesus, I will never disown you. He's confident. He's bold. But fast forward just a few hours later. Jesus has been arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. All of his disciples scatter. John and Peter follow loosely behind. And, and Jesus has been taken to the, the, the palace area, the, the courtyard of Annas and Caiaphas' house. And watch what happens. In John 18, it says that because it was cold, the household servants and the, the guards made a charcoal fire. This is important. And they stood around it, warming themselves. And Peter stood there with them, warming himself. In Mark, it says that Peter was in the courtyard below. And one of the servant girls worked for the high priest, came by and noticed that Peter was there at the fire. She looked at him closely and she said, you, you were one of those with Jesus of Nazareth. But Peter said, nuh-uh, wasn't me. He denied it. He says, I don't know what you're talking about. And at that moment, when he said that, a rooster crowed. Jesus said the rooster would crow twice. When the servant girl saw him standing at the entryway, she began telling the others, hey, this guy was with Jesus. This is for sure one of Jesus' followers. And he denied it again. And a little later, the other bystanders confronted Peter and they said, You've, you've got to be one of Jesus' followers because you're from Galilee. But I want you to notice what happened. This is the third time. And Peter says, a curse on me if I'm lying. One translation says, I swear by God. I don't know the man that you're talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. Think about this. At that moment, Jesus turned and looked at Peter. Suddenly, the Lord's words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny me three times. And the Bible says that Peter left the courtyard weeping bitterly because he did something he promised he would never do. Have you ever been there before? And you did something. I, pr I promise you, Jesus, I'll never do this. I want you to think about how Peter feels here. It, it, put yourself in his shoes because this is not just Jesus' worst day. This is Peter's worst day. I mean, this is the worst day of his life. He just denied. He just betrayed his best friend, his Messiah. He just did something he said, I will never do. He's denied his Savior. And Peter does what most of us would do. Peter goes into hiding. The Bible says he's behind locked doors for fear of the Jewish people, the Jewish leaders. And he's hiding behind these locked doors. And you and I do the same things, by the way. We may not lock ourselves in physically, but we lock ourselves in emotionally. And we won't let anybody else into our lives. I'm preaching good today. I'm preaching better than y'all are amen. And we hide behind guilt and we hide behind shame and we hide behind our past failures in our circumstances and we begin to believe the lie that God is through with me, that God can't use me, that God could never do anything with me again and, and this is where Peter's at. 
He's devastated. Peter is spent. Peter is riddled with failure. And at his lowest moment, he decides he's going to go back to his old life. And so, while they were in Jerusalem, Jesus had appeared to Peter and some of the other disciples. But it obviously didn't change Peter's life. It wasn't a a restorative moment in Peter. And so Peter and the disciples, they go from Jerusalem back to Galilee. It's about 100 miles. It takes them a few days to get there. And Peter decides, I'm going back to my old life. There's no way God can use me. There's no no way that God would, would want somebody like me. I'm damaged goods. And so he decides, I'm going back to my old career. And he goes to the Sea of Galilee, and he and six of his disciple buddies get in the boat, and they go fishing. All night long, they fish and they don't catch a thing. Zilch, nada. Well, early in the morning, as the sun is coming up, they hear a voice from the shore. And the voice says, hey, buddy, have you caught anything? And, and they don't know that it's Jesus. And so they reply, and they say, no, we haven't caught a thing. We ain't got nothing. That's what they said. Nothing. And Jesus, they don't know it's Jesus, but he says, put your net on the right side of the boat, and you will catch plenty of fish. And that's exactly what they did. And they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in the net. There was 153 fish to be exact. 153 fish. And then the disciple that Jesus loved. Okay, time out. Who wrote, who wrote this? John. The disciple that Jesus loved. So John is writing the disciple that Jesus loved, and he's writing about himself. I think that's pretty hilarious. If, if I was writing this, I'd probably do the same thing. The disciple Jesus loved. It was, it was me, right? So the disciple Jesus loved says to Peter, it's, it's Jesus. It's, it's the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he had put on his tunic because he stripped for work. So he was in his undergarments. He hears that it's Jesus, puts his coat back on, jumps into the water, and begins to swim to the shore. So the others stayed with the boat and they pulled the loaded net behind the boat to the shore for they were only about a hundred yards out. So another gospel tells us that as Peter is swimming, they're rowing to the shore and they get there at the same time. So I just think that's pretty funny. Peter could have just stayed in the boat, right? But he he got out of the boat once before. What's going to keep him from getting out again, right? He's impulsive. And so he jumps in, swims to the shore and notice this, when he got there, they, they found breakfast waiting for them, and it was fish cooking over what? Charcoal fire. What does that matter? What does it matter what kind of fire it was, Pastor Ben? Well, the Bible says that, that Peter denied Jesus while standing around a charcoal fire. Scientists tell us that, scientists tell us that the sense of smell is the strongest trigger to memory. That when you smell something, it takes you back to a place and a time and an event, and it reminds you of that greater than any other trigger of memory. So I want you to imagine as Peter is getting out of the water, and he smells this charcoal fire burning, he's instantly reminded of his failures. He's reminded of how he let Jesus down. He's reminded that I couldn't keep my promise. Jesus can't use somebody like me. And he's reminded of, he's reminded of his worst day, everybody. And so as he's climbing out of the water, he's got all of these emotions. 
But I want you to notice what happened. Jesus has a different plan. Watch this. Jesus is about to restore him. Jesus is about to heal him and change his life forever. Because it says, after breakfast, Jesus asked Simon, son of John, do you love me? In, in the middle of his failure, in the middle of Peter feeling like, I'll never measure up. I've gone too far. God can't use somebody like me. Jesus says, Simon, do you agape me? Do you love me as your Lord and Savior? Do you love me with an intimate kind of love? And, and he says, do you love me more than these fish that you've gone back to, Peter? Do you love me more than the way it used to be? Come on, somebody. Do you love me more than your old lifestyle? And Peter says, Lord, you know that I phileo you. You know that all I have to offer is that I love you like a friend. And Jesus says, good, because I still have a plan for your life. Feed my lambs. I love this. is so awesome. Jesus repeated the question. Simon, son of John, do you agape me? Peter says, Lord, you, you know, you know that all I have to give you is phileo kind of love. All I have to give you is, a, is a, a friendship kind of love. And Jesus says, thanks for your honesty. I still have a plan for your life. Go take care of my sheep. A third time, Jesus asks him, Simon, son of John, do you phileo me he changes the word here and he says do you really even love me like a friend and Peter's Peter's hurt that Jesus has asked him this question three times but let me remind you how many times did Peter deny Jesus three how many times did Jesus ask him do you love me three Jesus is doing something here Peter's hurt that he asked him three times but Je he says, Lord, you know everything. You know that all I can muster right now in my hurt, in my pain, in my disappointment, in my doubt, in my denial, all I can usher up to you, all that I can give to you is to tell you that I love you like a friend. And Jesus says, that'll do. I still have a plan for your life. I want you to go feed my sheep. Oh, I'm, I'm thinking to preach right now. I'm about to preach. This is so good. All right, no, notice this. It keeps going. It says that I tell you the truth. When you were young, when you were able to do as you liked, you dressed yourself and you went wherever you wanted to go. But there is a time coming when you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and they will take you to places that you don't want to go. And Jesus said this to let him know the kind of death he would die. And Peter ultimately died giving his life for Jesus, being crucified but upside down because he said, I'm not worthy to be crucified my, like my Lord. And I want you to notice, we started this message with Jesus' first words to Peter, follow me. The very last words Jesus ever spoke to Peter were, follow me. In other words, what Jesus is saying to Peter is even on your worst day, Peter, even when you feel like a failure, even when you feel like it's final and you feel like I can't use you and you feel like you've gone too far and you feel like there's no hope, even on your worst day, Peter, I still have a plan for your life. I haven't changed my mind about you. I told you to follow me then and I'm telling you to follow me now. There's a plan for your life. I haven't given up on you. I haven't given up on you. And in this moment, Peter's memory is changed. He no longer thinks about that charcoal fire. He, no, he no, no longer thinks about his denial. He thinks about his destiny in Jesus Christ. And maybe you're here today and you've never denied Jesus like Peter has. But can, can I tell you, you've certainly sinned. 
you've fallen short of his glory. You've done some things that you thought God could never forgive me of that. I want to tell you there is no sin too big. There is no gap too far that God can't forgive through his son Jesus. You are not too far gone. There is no one that's too far gone. God never gave up on his plan. He never changed his plan for Peter, and he will never change his plan for you. Somebody needs to hear that today. He still has a plan for you. And it was in this moment, right here, in this moment, in this moment where Jesus restores Peter back to the plan that he had always had for him. He restores Peter and he says, you have a purpose. There's a destiny for you. Go feed my sheep. And it was this moment that set Peter up to be able to preach on the day of Pentecost and see 3,000 people saved. Restoration. Renewal. A plan. So as I wrap up today, I, I, I really hope that this has made sense to you. I hope that you've gotten something out of this. Think about it this way. If, if Peter was going to go back to the stands now, he's been on the field with us. He's walked this lap of life with us, and he's told us, your failure's not final. God still has a plan for you. But he's about to walk back up into the grandstands. There's one more thing Peter would tell us. There's one thing he wants you to know, and that is Jesus doesn't see you as you are. He sees you as you could be. He sees you as you could be. He says, trust me, I know, because I was, I was a guy that nobody wanted to be around. I was just an old rough fisherman. And Jesus said to follow him, and I took him up on this chance. And even though I failed him, even though I let him down, even though I walked away from him and I denied him, his love for me never changed. And he never saw me as the failure. He saw me as the one who would be the, the, the cornerstone of the church, the one who would preach on the day of Pentecost. He saw me as I could be. And so I think Jesus is saying that today, that your failures are not final. Your failures do not define you. God still has a plan for you, and he still has a purpose for you. Amen? Come on, let's give God thanks today. Let's praise him that he has a plan for our lives. Amen. Would you bow your heads with me today? and Let me pray for us. Father, I pray for every person here today in the sound of my voice who feels like failure has been final. Lord, you're done with them, that their mistakes, their failures, their sin, it does separate us from you, Lord. There's no, not a question about that. But your word says in Romans that there's nothing too high, too deep, too long, too wide, nothing in all of creation can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Jesus, your love is in this room today to meet needs, to bring healing, to bring hope, to restore. And if you're here today, and maybe you've been in a season of doubt or disappointment or denial. And you just need to be reminded that God still has a plan for your life. Would you just slip up your hand today? Just say, that's me. I, I just need to be reminded that God still has a plan for my life. I just need to be reminded. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Who else would say, that's me? I just need to be reminded. And Father, right now, for every hand that's up, I pray, God, that you would surround every hand. God, that is bold enough to say, I need to be reminded of this, that, that I'm not too far gone, that I'm not damaged goods, that God still has a plan for my life, that there's still a purpose for my life. Father, right now I pray for your, your Holy Spirit on this day of Pentecost to encourage, to strengthen, to 
to embolden us to seek you and to serve you, to never give up believing you have a purpose for us. With your head still bowed, if you're here today and you're far from God, maybe, maybe you've never had a relationship with God. Maybe you've drifted. You've, what I would call, you've backslidden. You've fallen away from God. Maybe you're a Christian, but you're not living like one. I, I, th- I think Jesus would say, hey, it's, it's time to come back today. It's, it's time to, to let me take you from denial to destiny. But it starts with turning to God. It's the way I started this message today, that you have to turn to God. You have to repent of your sins. You have to make a decision. And if you're here today and you're ready to do that, you're ready to turn from sin and turn to God and make him the Lord of your life on the count of three, I want you to boldly, courageously lift up your hand today. One, two, three. I'm ready to turn to God. Come on, thank you. Thank you. Hills would say, that, that's me. Pastor Ben, that's me. I'm ready to turn to God today. Anybody else? Anybody else? I'm ready. I'm turning to God, turning from my sin, turning to God. Thank you. Who else would say that's me? I'm going all in. Amen. All right, hands down. Let's pray this prayer together all across this, this building today. Say, say, Jesus, I give you my life. I'm turning from sin, and I'm turning to you. Would you forgive me? Cleanse me. Set me free from the things that hold me captive. I give you my life, my heart, soul, mind, strength. I am yours and you are mine. And from this day forward, I will serve you the best that I know how. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, let's thank God today. Let's give God praise for salvation today. Hey, praise God for what he's doing in your life. It's just so powerful to see God moving, changing lives. Make it, it's making a difference. And um, I just want to remind you about the connection card at the beginning of the service that I mentioned. If that's you and, and you decided today, hey, I'm going all in. I'm giving my life to Jesus. Would you let us know by um, selecting the box that applies? There's a, there's a spot in the middle of the card that says my decision today. And you can let us know what your decision was by just checking the box that applies to you. If you'd let us know that, that would be great because that helps us be able to celebrate what God's doing in your life. And it also helps us know how we can pray for you and how we can help you with with next steps because we're all on this journey of next steps leading us to a relationship with Jesus and and we're all trying to grow closer to him but if you're if you're a new believer or if you maybe just gave your life to Christ today our team put together this resource for you and it's a next steps box and inside of it is some resources that will help you know some things that you can begin to do to grow in your relationship with God um, today even And, and so you can get one of these in the lobby it's totally free. If you'll stop by our next steps table on your way out the door, a team member will get you one of these. We just want to help you um, grow in in next steps and grow closer to Jesus. And and speaking of next steps, Pastor Ben mentioned today about baptism. We have baptism taking place. It's going to be outside just under the patio is where it's taking place today. But if you were saying like, hey, that's me. It's time for me to take the step and get baptized. I'm going all in. I want to go public with my faith. Um, I want to go ahead and release you right now.
now, you can go ahead and step into the lobby to our baptism table and they'll get you the shirt and just everything that you need and you can go ahead and get changed. So if that's you, you can go ahead and begin to move now so you'll be ready to go at the end of the service. But we're going to move to the part of the service where we worship the Lord through our giving. And I just want to remind you that when we give, it's not just another thing we do. We don't do it out of um, because we feel like we have to. We never want anyone to feel like they have to give. Really, the reason that we give is because God gave first. Like he sent his only son. He gave everything. And so we give back to him in response. And so I just want to let you know, if you're a guest today, there's no pressure on you to give anything in an offering. We don't expect that at all. If you're, if this is your home, you know, that that's just between you and the Lord. We never ask anyone give anything. You just ask the Lord what he would have you do. And then you be obedient to how how he leads you, how the Holy Spirit leads you. But I just want you to know that everything that's given, we're, we're using it to make a difference around the world, in our city, and around our country through church planting. And just yesterday was first Saturday serve, and we had teams out serving Wichita Falls. Over on the east side, we were grilling burgers and giving those out, just sharing the love of of Christ, just helping people, giving them a free meal. We were able to give over 500 burger meals out yesterday. Um, so awesome job to that team that was out there serving. But that's your, your generosity at work. And it's making a difference in the lives of people. It's making a bigger difference than you could ever know. So I'm going to get ready to pray over our time together. When I say amen, our, our prayer team is up front. And during this last song, if you need prayer for anything, if you need to someone to believe God with you for a miracle in your life. Just make your way down to one of these team members. They'll be happy to pray for you. Let's pray now. God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to to worship you, God. We thank you that we get to give, Lord. We get to be a part of your kingdom. Lord, so as we give today, we give from a place of gratitude. God, grateful for everything you've done in our lives and all that you're going to continue to do. We worship you. We praise you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on, church. Let's stand together and worship one more time.
True.